Hi Art Supply Posse, it's Marcus. This episode is all about using ink to make artwork. First of all, we'll be taking part in Inktober in the Artsupia forum. And secondly, we have an interview with Nick Stewart, an artist who's been experimenting with fountain pen inks and bleach. First of all, to Inktober. So Inktober is an annual online event during the month of October where people create art using inks and share it with others. Many people share as often as every day and other people only once a week. If you'd like to take part, you can choose any time in between. So it doesn't have to be daily, even though many people do choose that. However, you don't want to put yourself under stress and create another chore for yourself. If you'd like to take part, make sure you have fun and choose something that's doable for you. If you don't feel like posting your Inktober artwork on a blog or on social media, then you're welcome to join us in the Artsupia forum where a whole bunch of us will be posting our work just in the private forum. So if you'd rather be less public about sharing your artwork, then the forum is a good place for that. You'll find a link to the forum in the show notes. This episode's interview is with artist Nick Stewart, who has been experimenting over the past few years to create very unique artworks. When I say fountain pen ink, you may be wondering because when you go into an art supply store, you will typically find acrylic inks, shellac inks, and heavily pigmented water-based inks, and generally not fountain pen inks. The inks traditionally used by artists don't work in fountain pens, Pigmented inks would either would clog up the feed and others would attack the actual materials the pens are made of. So manufacturers had to create special inks for fountain pens. And these inks have their own unique properties, which Nick has been experimenting with to create these unique effects. Fountain pen inks are the only ones that do react to bleach. And then not all fountain pen inks do either. So Nick has been creating abstract calligraphy as well as portraits and landscapes. I thought I'd better tell you that the interview kind of supposes that you are already familiar with Nick's work and his blog. So that's why I'm giving you a little background info on this before you listen. I would recommend that you visit Nick's website first before listening so that you'll know what Kim is referring to in her questions and what Nick is talking about when he answers. There are several properties unique to fountain pen inks and a couple of techniques that Nick has developed, which I think is better that I explain so that you'll understand what you're looking at when you see the artworks and listen to the interview. First of all, there's shading, which is basically gradients. So fountain pen inks aren't as even. You don't get a single even color as you do with with many other inks that are used. Many fountain pen inks have shading properties, but not all of them. And this creates gradients depending on how much ink is laid down. The second and far rarer property is sheening. You'll get more colors appearing as the ink dries. For example, you could have a dark blue ink 
and as the ink dries, you'll get a bright red sheen appearing around the edges, sort of like a red ring outside the, the dark blue in the centre. Then there's chromatography, which is when you see how the ink breaks down into several other colours and shades. So, for example, what Nick does is he begins with watercolour paper and dampens the paper with water, then drops ink onto the water. This causes the ink to be diluted, and over time you'll see the ink break up into different colours. To understand what chromatography is, it's probably best that you search for it on YouTube and watch a couple of videos. This effect is what Nick is using in his artwork, so he's getting lots of different colours and shades by taking advantage of the ink's chromatography. Last but not least, we have the bleach, which is applied after the ink has dried. Nick will use, for example, a, a pen nib and dip it in the bleach and do calligraphy over the top of the ink. Or, for example, with a paintbrush, he will paint a landscape or a portrait and the bleach creates a kind of neon golden colour inside the ink. But again, it's not even. And that's sort of key to this fountain pen ink art, is that you're always playing with the randomness of the material. You can't completely control it, so you really have to be okay with that. Check out Nick's website, have a look at the artwork, maybe read a few of the blog posts, and then listen to the interview, and you'll get a lot more out of it. Oh, one other thing. This interview wasn't done live because of time zone differences. Kim recorded questions, uh, emailed them to Nick, and then he recorded his responses and mailed them back to her, and then I edited them all together. Enjoy the interview between Kim and Nick. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the Art Supply Posse. What was the artistic decision behind choosing to work with ink as opposed to using paint? I'm quite familiar with, with quite a few mediums, um, including uh, magic markers, acrylics, gouache, watercolours, pencils, charcoal, chalks. Each medium has its own fascination and its own different techniques and, and its own different behaviours, if you like. And when you're into each medium, you, you're sort of exploring how to get the best out of it. Um, and Fantapenics is no different to that. Um, I've just come across um, several brands and, and different colours within those brands that do have extraordinary behaviour and, and, they, and they do make beautiful, creative work. Um, so that's where I'm at the moment. It's still early days, as you probably know, um, and I am enjoying it. Um, many of the outcomes are, are not totally predictable. They are difficult to control. And um, yeah, and, and until uh, I can get more proficient at it, I think I'm going to stick with it for the time being. You mentioned that it's difficult to predict the outcome of your water and bleach applications. Do you think that difficulty is part of the reason why you get so excited about your work? Yeah, I'm not sure about the word difficulty here. Um, certainly when you're using this medium of, of ink and bleach, there is no way of predicting what you're going to end up with. And this is uh, 
for me, the, the, the great hook of why I'm still engaged with it and why I enjoy running workshops and, and spreading the word to people. Because if, for example, you start off using squares, when you engage with this particular project, halfway through it, you realise you're dealing with triangles. And by the end of it, you're ending up with circles. I hope that makes sense as a, as a, as a sort of graphical illustration. Because basically, if you have got a preconceived idea of what you want to get out at the end of this process, it isn't going to work like that. You have got to be flexible and open-minded to adapt the concept as the um, serendipity process is, is revealing itself before your eyes. Um, so I don't know whether the word difficulty is there. I think the wonderful thing about this whole project that I'm totally addicted to is the fact that um, you have to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Adaptable. And it's a great maxim for life, really, that if things don't really go your way, you have to adapt. And uh, at the end of the day, you still end up with some fascinating outcomes, often far better than your original idea in the first place. Your style of calligraphy is very abstract. Why is it that you work with this style of calligraphy as opposed to a more traditional style? Yeah, and I'm a great fan of all, of all hand lettering whether that's traditional calligraphy or, or modern calligraphy or graffiti even. I love it all. Um, the reason why I do a lot of the abstract calligraphy is because A, I'm quite adept at it. B, I love it. And C, I think it's also appropriate for this medium that, that we're discussing, i.e. The, uh, the fountain pennings. I think that as people do associate fountain pennings with handwriting, I'm just taking it to the next stage, I suppose, by um, adopting the abstract calligraphy, um, because it seems to be a great way of showcasing what these fountain pennings look like and what they can do um, when they're blended with water, whether they're mixed together or whether they're being affected by bleach. Um, which leads on to, I suppose, uh, another thing that is quite important to me is the fact that I think that style of abstract calligraphy is my own. Uh, there are other people who do abstract calligraphy who've got their own styles as well. But that style that you see of mine is mine. I don't think many people can emulate it. And so it's quite nice to use that natural um, personal style um, with something that I'm, I'm very fond of, which is this whole project. Has your graphic design experience influenced your art in any way? Yeah, for sure. Um, I can definitely assure you that a lot of the skills I've picked up um, pre-digital, i.e. in the 1990s, 1980s, are still playing a very big part in, in certainly in this new project, the Fountain Pennings. Of interest, I did spend many years at some of London's biggest visualising houses, um, where I worked with some very talented storyboarders on above the line and below the line advertising campaigns for some of London's biggest advertising agencies and design groups. Um, although I was mainly concentrating on lettering, um, type treatments, finished lettering um, for a whole range of purposes, I still worked with a lot of illustrators who, and I still use a lot of their top tips on making backgrounds or covering up lettering, you name it. Um, all of those skills were shared. And, and this is very much pre-digital. So everything was hand done very much in a traditional sense. So you can imagine that fountain pennings is very much a, uh, a dexterous 
craft. It is a craft, I think. And, and therefore, a lot of those skills that I used back then, are, I'm utilising now. Um, as, with regards to design and layout, um, yeah, I suppose intuitively there is an element of what I do with the graphics um, coming into play. And certainly I, when, when I do do start creating um pictorial images i do i do adhere to the you know the basic unsung rules of the thirds rule no halos all those top tips to really bring out um an illustration so you've got breakouts etc and just using um all of your knowledge base really to to make the most exciting image that you can as a follower of your art, I know that you feel quite strongly about a less is more aesthetic. What is it about this that appeals to you so much? I'm a great believer in the simple things in life and, and appreciating those those simple things. And and this process of breaking down fountain penning is just a perfect way of demonstrating that, that a simple ink that you may think is like um, a boring brown colour, talking about here, Noodles Rome burning, for example. Um, just one drop of that in some water, and you're releasing three or four colours, which are just fascinating to to look at and watch as they as they expand across a wetted surface and and, and start turning into something quite exciting. So it's it's as simple as that, really. Um, I think the the whole philosophy of less is more is probably not a bad maxim to live your life by. Um, I think on a more um, practical tone, um, if you are familiar with using watercolours, you're probably aware that if you if you mix more than three colours together, you usually end up with a, a muddy brown colour. And it's no different to fountain penning, seriously. If you if you if you mix several of them together, they will um, they will turn to sort of these these muddy sort of colours. So in many ways it's just a little max into to, to go under that less is more um, because everything you need is in those simple one or two colours mixed together and, and you can get everything that you need. I get a sense that you like teaching art as well as being an artist. What is it about teaching that appeals to you? I first got into art teaching back in 2003 when the University of Creative Arts asked me on board to help out with the graphics uh, rotation as part of the foundation year. Uh, which was great fun, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I spent the best part of six years with University of Creative Arts on, on that particular course, and uh, also did the HND with them. Um, I then went um, to do a year at the university here in Rochester, where I was heading up the design, marketing and branding course, which was a little bit, um, shall we say, uh, more commercial in its focus it wasn't as uh, free as the foundation but it was still a great fun and, and great thing to do um, and if the contract hadn't come to an end then I would still I would still be there I think um, just that there was a change of um, policy within the university at the time that they they wanted people to be full-time and they weren't going to take um, sessional contracts so that put paid to that but I have still been running workshops with the fountain penning and bleach, as you're probably aware. And that has been amazingly interesting because of the audience range and type. 
is very different. So it's not just students and teenagers. I've been dealing with children and with some quite senior citizens as well. Now, two groups I was warned about were the excluded children who have been excluded from their their schools due to their behaviour, which is often quite violent and not very pleasant. They were an absolute joy. And I think even their minders were quite surprised because they had painted such a bleak picture of how these kids were going to behave. And they didn't behave like that at all. They were totally engrossed with uh, the project that they had to do. And the quality of work that they, they produced was was quite, uh, you know, it, 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 it was it was just beautiful. It was lovely work. And you could tell that they really got into it. And And I think it was quite absorbing for them. Um, and it was very rewarding for me to be part of that. And the other group was a group of elderly ladies who were quite dissatisfied with their lot. They were losing their mobility. Um, they were all quite lonely and, and, and generally I'd say they were quite bitter. But once they engaged with the three hours of the Incomplete, they were, they were enlightened and, and the quality of work that they did was just fantastic. And of course, they're from a generation where they all have beautiful handwriting. And so they did some amazing stuff. And I just think that this project to do with Incomplete has got so much potential. And, and, and generally speaking, the people that get the most out of it are the people who probably approach it in the most negative way and, and say they can't do art. But they're not going to try and control it. They just sort of stick it down and see what happens. And of course, the process is such that it does just happen. And these wonderful serendipity type moments happen and people start to look at it and, and watch it changing before their eyes, before they start getting involved. So that for me is, is a wonderful thing to happen. That the most unlikely candidates or students are the ones who get the most from it. And surely that's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Why do you think your workshops allow those difficult people to transform into someone else? It sounds like they become someone else when you're discussing the effect that the workshops had on them. I think there could be two factors coming into play here. One being the natural serendipity outcomes that this medium of fountain paintings and bleach offers, which is fascinating in its own right. And secondly... I think it could there could be an impact of the digital age having an effect on arts and crafts in general. Observing the the excluded children who sat at the workshop, I think oh, I suspect that this is one of the few times they'd actually picked up a pen or a paintbrush or both and had decent tuition as to how to utilise them. Um, this was a very new experience for them, um, and, and it's a natural experience that, that humans enjoy. Um, and I think that's probably why they were quite engrossed, that it was just totally absorbing. Um, the, the fact they were using tools they never used before and this new medium. With regards to the more elderly citizens, I think that was a combination of two different factors. Well, one, well. I think that I think the medium got them hooked in the first place, but I think secondly, I think they took a trip down memory lane. I think all the skills that they had 
um, as as children using pens and brushes all came flooding back. They'd obviously got well-trained hands. They've got beautiful handwriting. Uh, I think they just thoroughly enjoyed doing something that they hadn't done for a long time. If after listening to this interview, someone would like to get into ink art, where should they start? Are there supplies that they must have? Is there anything that they should avoid? With regards to materials and tools, fountain pen inks are available from stationary supply websites. And the papers that I use, brushes, dip pens, flex nibs, mixing trays, etc., are available from art supplies websites. Um, if you are looking for information to do with fountain pen ink and pens, then there are organisations online like the Fountain Pen Network or Fountain Pen Geeks who do have little sections to do with fountain pen ink art. They aren't particularly big, but at least you can find out who those people might be and then link onto them if you do wish. Um, I'm one of the few people who is investigating the chromatography aspect of ink at the moment and utilising it for artistic and creative purposes. So if you want some information about that, then you can go to my blog site, which is queencombleach.wordpress.com. Some people might think that bleach is potentially dangerous. How do you handle bleach? Yeah, for some reason, the word bleach um, does um, put fear in, into people when I'm discussing this project. Uh, I don't know whether they're imagining huge barrels of the stuff being utilised, um, but this is this is far from the case. Uh, what we're using is is tiny amounts, a few millilitres, which is then um, watered down. Um, for safety, I keep my tiny solutions of bleach um, in old ink, ink 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 bottles with wide bases and thin necks, so that they've it's difficult to knock them over and, and, and fumes don't escape from the neck either. Um, <clears throat> um, and it's important to say at this juncture that I don't ever use fountain pens with bleach, never. I only use a dip pen and a paintbrush and that paintbrush usually has nylon uh, bristles to it, which is man-made and is washed quite thoroughly after use so that the degradation of the brush is limited. Um, it would be a shame not to use the bleach because as you can see the reaction with the fountain pen inks is quite dramatic and you do get this gorgeous neon glow. Um, but also importantly it's, 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 it's worth adding that if you're using my four colour process where you're just using it to paint uh, really nice scenes with etc and you do make an error you want to make a highlight the only way to do that is to use um, the bleach uh, because it bleaches the area out and, and brings the whole painting to life. Now I could demonstrate that quite quite ably because you can buy bleach pens okay I admit that those bleach pens are probably not as fine pointed as using a dip pen but you could easily go and buy a bleach pen if that's what you wanted to and it will have a very similar effect. With regards to disposed of the bleach, well, yes, reluctantly, it is, it is a caustic agent. But as I said, the amounts we're using are so small that um, if, if when you have exhausted it's, it's a, the agent's effect, um, it's looking a bit cloudy and you want to tip it away, you know, the amounts you're tipping down the sink or you're tipping into the loo um, are very, very tiny. Um, and I hope that um, they are not having 
too much of an adverse effect on the environment. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we end the interview, Nick? Well, thanks, Kim, for giving me the opportunity to talk about my project. As you can tell, it's, it's very dear to my heart. The key thing when I started the project um, was to actually look at things differently, uh, to, to take uh, an expected medium or a product, turn it on its head and see if it's possible to utilise it for other activities. I think this is very, very important as we go into a digital future, that we don't let go of our analogue heritage. And also, also it's important for people to keep experimenting and to keep looking ahead and to find new things. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Nick. And if you're interested to find out more about Nick, here are a few exciting developments since we did the interview. You'll find a link on Nick's website to an article in Penworld magazine, which is all about using fountain pen inks to create artwork. It's about Nick and the Diamine Ink Factory in Liverpool. There are also lots of example artworks in the article. If you're in the UK, you can also attend one of Nick's workshops, the same ones he talked about in the interview. It's now mid-September 2018, and Nick has several workshops in the next few weeks, starting at the end of September and through to November. We'll put a link to Nick's events page in the show notes. And last but not least, if you're excited to experiment with fountain pen inks and bleach, Nick has created a CMYK ink set, which enables you to mix a whole range of colors, basically an entire color wheel. The inks are specially formulated to work well with the techniques that Nick talked about. Those will be available very soon. The formulation is complete and they are now going into production. So if you watch Nick's website, then you should soon be able to get your hands on those and start experimenting with fountain pen ink art yourself. The advantage to a set like this is that you don't have to purchase a whole bunch of different inks or experiment yourself to find out the ones that work. You'll find Nick's website at nickstuart.inc. The link is in the show notes. If you'd like to join us for Inktober, then head over to the forum and join, if you haven't already. The Artsupia forum is at artsupia.org. Again, there's a link to that in the show notes. I'll speak to you again in the next episode. 